Okay, Dave, um, we should get this podcast recorded. It's uh, getting pretty late. We need to get it done so we can get it edited. And, and, um, uh, Dave. David. Dave. Hey. Why? What? What are you doing? Sorry, I couldn't hear you. I was listening to my JBL Club Pro Plus true wireless in-ear headphones with noise cancellation technology. Ooh. I couldn't hear a word you were saying. Yeah, because I just speak noise. I know. Thanks to our good friends over at JBL for sending them to me. I was at, Hey, I was actually thinking after the podcast we could maybe listen to some tunes on our JBL Extreme 3, which has just been released also from our good friends at JBL. Thanks to our friends at JBL for sponsoring um, the channel um, and the podcast and all that for this month. Awesome. Fantastic. Let's get into it. Ooh, cool. Let's do it. Yep. Good. Hello everybody, welcome to the Dave Lee Down Under Podcast. I'm of course your host Dave Lee and this is episode... 28. I can't believe we got this far. Um, this is a very special episode today. I am going to try and keep this intro short and sweet so we can get straight into this one. You can, of course, join me every single Monday on the podcast. Uh, the podcast goes out on all major podcasting platforms, including Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google, Amazon Music, and Audible. The visual element is also available to view over on YouTube as well. Uh, that goes out on the Monday as well, but if you're a patron supporter, you get that two days early. So if you'd like the early access to the podcast, Head over to patreon.com forward slash Dave Lee Down Under and uh, you can support me for as little as a dollar a month. That All that money goes straight back into the podcast, back into my channel and all that kind of stuff. You'll be supporting me in a very, very special way. Uh, of course, the video podcasts have migrated across to a brand new channel, Dave Lee Down Under Podcast, over on YouTube. That's linked down at the bottom below. Uh, but of course, because this podcast is so special, we've brought the podcast back over to the main channel just for this episode because I want this one to go out to as many people as possible and I'm so excited about it. Uh, you can of course find me on YouTube at Dave Lee Down Under over on Twitter and Instagram. There's links in the description of every single podcast. If you want to write into the show, you can send an email to DaveLeePod at gmail.com and if you're listening on podcast platforms, please leave a review and a rating. It certainly does help me in getting this podcast out there and telling people that this is an alright show. I mean, I hope it is anyway. <laughs> I really hope it is. Um... Look, this, as I said a couple of times already, I'm so excited you can tell, it's a very special episode of the podcast today. A number of weeks ago, I received an email from a PR agency over in uh, in America, in, in LA, Hollywood, ah! reaching out to me, asking me if I'd like to interview someone, um, and I jumped at the chance, man. As soon as I saw on there that who they wanted me to interview, I, there, was no, there was no second thinking about this. There was no, oh, should, should I do? Absolute, no way. I jumped on this one straight away. Yes, please. I'm, of course, talking about the incredible, the wonderful Rob Paulson. Now, of course, if you are an animation fan, there he is right there. You can see him on the cover of his book, Voice Lessons, which came out, I think, in 2019. It's a really wonderful book. As soon as I found out I was going to be interviewing Rob, um, I had to get my, uh, I had to get on Amazon. I got my, I think I got like the last copy on Amazon Australia. Um, so uh, I was really lucky there. It came the next day, and I was into it straight away. Um, look, this guy, if you're an animation fan like I am, and chances are if you're a, a follower of my channel, my podcast, you are an animation fan, uh, you know the name Rob Paulson, and you know the face. But if you are not like a huge animation nut, you like your cartoons and all that kind of stuff, but you don't kind of delve any deeper into like the voice actors and all that kind of stuff, you might not know the name, you might not know the face, but you will certainly know the characters. This guy has been involved in almost every iconic franchise um, as far as animation and cartoons go. As many as you can imagine. He's been involved in pretty much all of them. Um, Of course, his most iconic characters are Yakko, 
and Pinky and Dr. Otto Scratch and Sniff from the Animaniacs. He provided the voice of, uh, he's provided the voice of two Ninja Turtles, Raphael and Donatello in various uh, iterations of the series over the years. He's been involved in Jimmy Neutron, Biker Mice of Mars, uh, you name it, we will go into it in this interview. But anyway, uh, his, his PR agency reached out to me and said, would you like to interview Rob? And I said, absolutely, I'd like to interview Rob. So, uh, this episode right here is a very special, I got a, a, a quite a long time with Rob, um, it was like a 45 minute session, but I, I think I got just a little bit of extra time, he's so, such a generous, generous guy, and uh, gave me as, as much time as we needed to get this interview done. And the most wonderful thing about this is, you will see that he is sitting in his car, um, he said to me just kind of off camera before we went on that he was sitting at a Starbucks opposite Warner Brothers under the water tower, which is, of course, where the Animaniacs live. I mean, it could not have been done in a better place, and I'm just, oh, man, I'm still reeling from this because this interview was recorded earlier this morning. Um, and uh, look, guys, I'm going to present this to you in full. This is the full entire interview with Rob. We talk about his career. We talk about his voices, absolutely everything. Uh, we'll also talk about a uh, health crisis that he went through a number of years where he was diagnosed with uh, cancer of the throat. So we'll talk a bit about that as well. Uh, touch on so many great things here. Uh, Rob is such a wonderful, humble, open guy. And this is one of the uh, most wonderful interviews I think that I've ever conducted. I had so much fun with this. So without further ado... Let's get into it. I hope you enjoy my interview with the wonderful, the one and only, Rob Paulson. Hi, Rob. Thank you for joining me today. Well, thank you very much, Dave, for lowering your standards for me. I really... uh really appreciate it no 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 it's an absolute pleasure to speak with you um just spoke with you briefly off camera um i'm so very excited to speak with you you uh i'm a i'm a child of the 90s so i grew up with all the projects you have been involved in over the years um and they formed well thank you as long as long as you said as you haven't thrown up with all the projects. no 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 certainly not appreciate certainly not um i am i'm a huge fan of animation as you know and um the programs you've been involved in have had a huge impact in my love of the medium and uh, the characters that you've portrayed, uh, just, you know, characters have followed me throughout my life. And it's, it's a, such a huge pleasure to speak with you today. Well, thank you, buddy. The, the, trust me, the pleasure is all mine. And I am, um, I'm amazed at how many, uh, uh, well, I kind of amazed at the extent to which these characters co- uh, connect with people on a profoundly deep mm-hmm. level. Um, I certainly knew that people loved them because I kept working. Yeah. But in the last probably seven, eight years, uh, in fact, having been twice to Australia, uh, yeah. all over the world, I'm met by people uh, who tell me the most incredibly wonderful stories mm-hmm. about uh, these characters, um, and again, not again, but let's make it clear, the characters of the star. I appreciate that you're making the fuss over me, but I don't draw them and I don't write them. However, when it works, it is such a, I don't know, a, a singularly unique circumstance in terms of how people connect with these characters. Yeah. And it's often, Dave, way bigger than a paycheck or an action figure or just like, oh, that's pretty cool. People tell me often through tears about, you know, my mom's gone now, but she struggled mightily with breast cancer and Pinky in the Brain was her laugh slash medicine every damn day for six months. And we shared it together. Stuff like that yeah. over and over and over again. So it's not uh, it's not a unique circumstance. And I, I can't get enough of it. So that all boils down to as to say that um, it is I who've worked really hard for the privilege that you're giving me right now. This is a, this is a very cool thing for me. Well, thank you so much. It's a very cool thing for me too. Not at all. And, um, you are so humble. You are so humble. I do no, have to say. I have no reason not to be. <laughs> um, <laughs> people who love animation like me, they know the name Rob Paulson. Um, well, thank you. You have been involved in over 500 different programs. You've made over two, two, uh, two and a half thousand hours or 2,000 hours of ha- half hours of animation. For those of you who might not uh, be familiar with the vast 
catalogue of roles you've you've done over the years. Just bear with me for a second. I've gone through your IMDb Please, go page. ahead. You're making a fuss over me. You can oh, talk man. about how great I am as oh, long as you want. I will. I definitely will. Okay, so <laughs> your most prominent roles, of course, in the Animaniacs, Ninja Turtles, Jimmy Neutron, uh, G.I. Joe, Biker Mice from Mars, Goof Troop, Gummy Bears, The Mask. Now, you've also appeared in the like Again, bear with me here. You've appeared in the likes mm-hmm. of SpongeBob, DuckTales, uh, Darkwing Duck, Quack Pack, Tailspin, Chip and Dale, Rescue Rangers, Powerpuff Girls, Tom and Jerry, Yogi Bear, Looney oh Tunes, God, Flintstones, Jetsons, Scooby Doo, Transformers. I could care. Uh, look, I've got a whole list of them here Woody Woodpecker, Samurai Jack, Ultimate Spider Man, uh, Phineas and Ferb, Tinkerbell Films, uh, The Tick, Gargoyles, The Wizard of Oz. Um, I, this list just is, is endless. Uh, this is a body of work of, that belongs to an incredibly prolific and legendary voice artist. Um, you are first class in your career. There's very few resumes that match this. Um, what's it like for you to look back on this 40-year body of work? You've, you've been involved in some of the biggest franchises in animation history. I, I have. And can we just stop right now because you made me sound like a real big deal. So thank oh, you. You are. Um, you are. I thank you, my friend. And your check is in the mail, as they say. Thank you very this much. is Hollywood, so <laughs> take it for what it's worth. Um, well, the short answer is uh, gratitude. Mm-hmm. I- impossible gratitude to quantify, Dave. I, uh, I am. I'm really good at my job, but Jesus, I ought to be. I've been doing mm-hmm. it forever, mm-hmm. and and I really believe uh, it's difficult to be objective, but as, as objective as I can be, I'm better now than I was five years ago because I don't stop. I think I don't stop learning. I don't stop knowing where I can uh, sort of shave little rough edges off and get better and better and better and better. And I don't think frankly that that's unusual. I think that anyone who's fortunate enough to make a living doing essentially what got them in trouble in high school or playing a sport or being an actor, singer, broadcaster, um, there is no real playbook. Mm-hmm. We have metrics by which we judge one another, Emmys, Oscars, Grammys, and whatever you folks have in Australia that are the yeah. same, Juno in Canada. Um, but the the ultimate, to me, the ultimate metric by which my success is uh, judged by me is the amount of joy that I am now able to see on both sides of the equation. Watch folks, watch uh, fans of, of Dave's watch what happens to this young man's handsome face. Watch this. Hello, Dave. <laughs> Isn't that something? Hey, God, look at Dave. He might even pass out in a, in a brief moment or, Hey Dave, are you going to finish that croissant? It, Turtle power, cowabunga. It is um, that. That's the metric by which I measure my success. Because, yes, I've had a prolific career. But as I said a bit earlier, I don't draw them. I don't write them. Um, It is a deeply collaborative effort. The upshot of which results in what you just showed us. your, Your instantaneous, authentic, organic smile and i would submit that there's even a part of you that gets a little bit of mushy inside and you go oh my god that that takes me back i i and you it's 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 powerful yeah absolutely so that really is my is the measure by which i i i i sort of quantify my success and and i'm now in a position um that having done so much that just by hanging out, people read the credits and they go, oh, yeah, that guy Rob has done a lot of work. But that's all great. I've been well paid. And a lot of those shows are I'll never make another dime from. That's not the point. Yeah. What is the point is the joy, happiness, love uh, and and uh, um, nostalgia that is generated by those characters. So, man, I I won the lottery day. It's um it's an incredibly wonderful way to move through the world. Yeah, I love it. I I, uh, I picked up a copy of your book, uh, which was published uh, fairly recently, Voice Lessons. This is absolutely yeah. fantastic. 
I read it front to back in a couple of days. I'm a, I'm a very slow reader, um, but I got through this really, <laughs> well, really quickly. I'm a slow quickly. writer. <laughs> I loved it. I, it's it's just such a such a joy to read. It's so optimistic and so wonderful. Just as you, this is you on a page. I mean, um, I can hear your voice while I'm reading it, and it's just it's so terrific. Um, one of the one of the things I was very surprised to learn actually in the book was that voice acting is something that you just sort of fell into. It's not something that you had. Um, you know, planned to get into from from the outset. That's correct. And um, I lived and continue to live as a result of the desire to come to Los Angeles from Michigan, you know, a couple thousand miles 40 years ago. Um, You have probably heard that axiom that luck is when opportunity meets preparation. Um, Absolutely what happened in my case. Um, I loaded up my little 1976 Honda as I left. My dad was at work. My mother was on the porch, tearful, as her oldest boy drove off into the sunset for Hollywood, uh, like zillions of others um, from your beautiful country and all around ours and all around the world. This is where you go to get in the moving picture business. Um, I had a theater background, music background, and came out here to ply my trade in the big kids pool like everybody else. Um, But when that happens, and if you're a a performer, a singer, actor, dancer, who is bitten by the bug and you live in the outback, you got to find your way to to Sydney or to Melbourne to get noticed. Um, So that's what I did. Uh, And I was doing what I was already trained to do at 22 years old with three years of practical experience, live experience on the road. But I was auditioning for, you know, TV movies, commercials, doing music. And I, I was doing all that, but because of the, uh, because the, uh, uh, I put myself in a position to get lucky. I was asked by my agent, have you ever considered doing animation? I said, of course I have, but there are a handful of actors who do it all. Um, And she said, yeah, but they're auditioning for a couple of new shows um, at Marvel, uh, which turned out to be um, G.I. Joe and Transformers. Uh, would you like to audition? Of course, I, I want to work. Would I like to? Yeah, I'll audition for anything. Um, so I auditioned. I got the job. And the first thing I noticed when I got into work was like it was like any other acting gig, except nobody cared what I looked like. It was about creating characters, going through a script, breaking it down, adding my own stuff, all of that, which I would do in any audition or any gig, whether it's, in my case, being on St. Elsewhere or Hill Street Blues or MacGyver or doing a half dozen features, same process. But I was not limited by being an average looking Caucasian boy from Michigan. And now I am not limited by being an old Caucasian <laughs> boy from Michigan. Um, that is the most glorious aspect of voice acting. It is not about the way you look. It is you're limited by your talent, your willingness to play, and the kindness of producers to hire you. So that is when all that preparation for creating character voices, simply because it made my soul happy, singing in character voices because I was inspired by the Pythons and Peter Sellers and the Goons and Jonathan Winters and Carol Burnett, Lucille Ball, all of that conspired to put me in a position in which I was preparing myself for the opportunity to get lucky. And here we are. Um, so yeah, it was pretty, uh, pretty cool thing that would never have happened had I not driven out to California to ostensibly ply the trade that I thought I was going to do. And I, I still do on camera stuff. I just Mm. just like to work. I really don't care. Um, But I, I am grateful that I have the, the sort of ego that uh, is not, um, does not need to be fed by being recognized walking down the street. Don't get me wrong. It happens more often. In fact, I'm at a park at a Starbucks here in Burbank, (laughs) five minutes from the water tower. And it's happened here more than I can tell you. Wow. Happens in New York. Mm-hmm. It happens in Chicago. 
but that's because I've been lucky enough to work on big projects and I've been around and nice people like you have me in, in an on-camera circumstance. But it is not what drives me. What drives me is, as Lexus says, the relentless pursuit of perfection, which I will never reach. And I think that's kind of good news because it means I got to stay on my toes and I'm, I'm happy to do it. Yeah. You, you also mentioned, well, you have a, a huge love for music as well. Um, and you played in bands and stuff before you, you know, went out to yeah. Hollywood and, and whatever else. Um, how did that kind of help you in learning how to use your voice with character work? Well, uh, when I say, uh, when you suggested that I, I didn't come out here to do voice work and I sort of fell in it, that's true from a practical standpoint. But before I got here, I had done a lot of, as we call them in those days, sound productions. I had a dear friend. In fact, he was my roommate, came out here with me and he stayed about six months and said, all right, I've had enough. I'm, I'm LA's beating the hell out of me. And it does, but you know, it's nobody forces you to be an actor. Uh, I chose this. So if it gets tough, it's on me. And that does not to say that if you decide it's not for you, that you're somehow failing not at all you just got it you don't know until you try it yeah um so the lowest points that i've had out here never were more difficult than the high points yeah so it was never a situation where i said well it's been slow for six months well did anybody put a gun in your mouth to be here no <laughs> would you prefer to have low, low points back in michigan no are you still involved in making it happen yes then probably you shouldn't leave so I had already uh, developed a keen sense of improv, a desire to create character voices, as I said, represented yeah. uh, by the, the um, uh, inspiration I, from the usual suspects. You know, John yeah. Cleese, Michael Palin, Peter Sellers, Spike Milligan, over and over and over again, and a lot of American talent. Uh, so it wasn't foreign to me. I had just never worked in a proper cartoon also i've been a singer longer than anything yeah and i just used to sing in character voices because it was fun no different than robin williams or jonathan witters it it made my soul happy yeah it made girls laugh it got me a chance to to you know get a date with someone humor is a very mm. i don't know if it's an aphrodisiac but it's a very <laughs> powerful tool in terms of getting someone's attention and yeah. um and I loved it. And again, even if people didn't pay attention to me, it, it made me happy and it cost me nothing. I still do it. I was doing it on the way into work today. I was working on a song I've been writing and singing in character because it makes me happy. I don't know that anything will ever be done with it. Doesn't matter. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I, I, I had never done a proper animated project with, you know, big time productions behind mm. it. Uh, but boy, am I glad I decided to put myself in that position. Yeah, I love it. It's just such a deeply, deeply primal thing, uh, really. Um, I you you mentioned the stuff you did over at Marvel, of course, GI Joe, Transformers. Very soon after that, you landed work at Hanna Barbera, um, and that is huge. Tell us what it's like walking into the halls of Hanna Barbera for the first time. And you're there for a number of years, um, working on. Uh, uh, you did the reboot of Johnny Quest. You're involved in Jetsons reboots, Yogi Bear, uh, a dozen other things. What's it like the first time you get to walk into those, those, that hallowed ground, really? Oh, well, I'll tell you what. Here's that's a great question, and the the fact is, the first time uh, is not any less fabulous than the 2600th time. Yeah. Um, case in point, a few years ago, I was working on a, uh, some music for a, an animated film at, at Paramount. Uh, I was hired to sing for a couple of days and I wasn't the star of the show. But doesn't matter. I'm an itinerant actor. I'm a blue collar worker <laughs> in the dream factory, baby. And very proud of that. But I'm telling you what, man, it was probably the, 25th time I've been on the Paramount lot in my 40 years here for auditions and work, visiting friends on set. And just like the first time, I took a moment to sort of pinch myself and say, holy, you know what? Mm -hmm. Little Rob Paulson from Grand Blank, Michigan is going to pull up to the gate and there's going to be a drive on for me to go sing and get paid 
with a big Hollywood orchestra, like I've done 10 times, 20 times before. And now that I have a phone, because when I moved here, cell phones didn't exist. I just stand in front of him and go, look, look, mom. My mom's been gone for a while. Look, mom and dad, I'm back. I'm doing it again. I'm still doing it. It never is not wonderful. Uh, today, I'll be walking into a studio five minutes down the road with people who are my closest friends in the world. All of them won Emmys. They're all incredibly gifted actors. And if you punch in Tress McNeil, Maurice LaMarche, it'll blow your mind at what they've accomplished in their careers. And they're still working every single day. Today, we're working for Mr. Spielberg. So your question has a very simple answer. It's always fantastic. It's always uh, a remarkable privilege. And I never take it for granted. I'm, I'm very keen at being aware of how fortunate I am right now. Yeah. Uh, the past is great and it was, and it set me up for now, but right now is what's important. And uh, it has never lost on me how, uh, how incredibly fortunate I am. I never. love that. I love it. Uh, uh, that's so wonderful to hear. Um, you, you've been involved in, I suppose the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle, the uh, t- Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles is the, the one project that you've done over your career that has expanded and evolved um, enormously in so many different ways, almost continuously over the last you know, yes. couple of decades, there's been various different versions of it. What's it like for you to be involved? You have been involved in the uh, numerous uh, productions of it uh, as far as the animated, uh, to the cartoons go. What's it like for you yeah. to be involved in something like this that has evolved in this way over time? And I'm just kind of well, looking at it from, from the inside, you know, as it oh, kind of, of course. changes. and uh, Yeah. And, you know, remember, my son is probably about your age and grew up as a turtle freak. Yeah. So as you can imagine, it was pretty cool to have your old man be Raphael and for my little boy to be a turtle freak. Um, but we're talking about a franchise in terms of turtles that at last relative count uh, has been responsible for not only, I don't know, billions of smiles and hundreds of millions of action figures and birthday parties. And I'm not talking about 10 year old birthday parties. I'm talking about 35 and 40 year olds now who have birthday parties uh, surrounded, you know, uh, uh, germane to the turtles because as we discussed earlier those characters are really powerful and they're often having a 40 year old birthday party about turtles celebrating celebrating it with their 12 and 14 year olds who love turtles too yeah and and it's a very unique circumstance to be able to do that with your kids and the franchise is arguably as powerful as it is now as powerful now as it was in 1987 Mm. when we did the pilot so, I mean, six billion in merchandise uh, to have had two rides in the turtle van as Raphael and Donatello in a, yeah. a later iteration on Nickelodeon. And then direct a version also at Nickelodeon, uh, because I guess I'm, I'm the most uh, uh, sort of guy with turtle DNA in Hollywood. So Nickelodeon slash Paramount said, you want to direct this? Sure. Yeah. What? A franchise. Mm. I, I'm i wearing long sleeve shirts in Burbank, what is it, 76 degrees Fahrenheit here, um, because my arms are black and blue from pinching myself. <laughs> it's, it's an amazing mm. franchise. And the number of artists who have been inspired just by turtles to try to pursue art as a, as a livelihood. Um, that is incalculable. Yeah. I know that there are artists at Disney, Pixar, um, uh, Amblin, um, name it, Nickelodeon, which is Paramount, yeah. Warner Brothers, who have been, who were inspired from the get-go by Ninja Turtles. And uh, that's not a small thing. Mm-hmm. All of this conspires to ultimately just make people joyful and creative. And, 
it really, as much as we love to make a living and I've been rich and I've been poor, rich is way better. But the joy and the Jones to create has nothing to do with money. Um, and, and that's what really is the most powerful aspect of Turtles, I would yeah. submit. And I know that because I've Kevin Eastman, who's one of the creators of the franchise, and I are very dear friends. And he is dumbstruck when he shows me uh, fan art Mm. that he sent oh, I'm sorry. that that he sent um on um uh from people who have been inspired by his creation and so that that's a big deal a really big deal and i'm proud to be part of it yeah um another obviously big franchise you've been involved in animaniacs uh, this is one of my oh, personal yeah. favorite shows when i was growing up it still is one of my favorite shows and the reboot too. That, yeah. <laughs> it gets me every time I love it. Oh, man. Um, it's, it's just one of those things that is just so special. And when the word came out that um, the reboot was happening, oh, man, people were just so excited. You mentioned in your book that you kind of had a, a, an inkling for a number of years that something was happening, that it was about to start to bubble up. What was it like when you yes. finally get that word, this is happening? It's actually, we're coming back, we're doing more episodes. Wow. Well, Boy, you are, I do this a lot. You're really good, my friend. You know how to, folks, just so you know, what Dave is doing is not just as simple as turning on a microphone and talking. Um, Dave is an excellent podcaster slash interviewer. And I know what I'm talking about because I've done hundreds of these. You are excellent. Thank you um, so much. I appreciate it. It, it is, uh, I think I cited in the book, uh, there's a wonderful love song called The Second Time Around. And the the message of the song is that, yeah, sometimes things don't work and break up and you think it's just never going to be the same again. But then you have a chance to kind of uh, learn a little more about yourself and what you want in your life. And then, uh, you know, with both feet planted firmly on the ground, you meet the right one, Mr. Right or Mrs. Right. And um, the gist is love is lovelier the second time around. Mm -hmm. And I remember when um, Tress McNeil, my sister Dot, uh, and I used to sit next to each other. She would sit between Jess and I, uh, my brother Wacko, at every recording session for all 100 episodes. And um, I remember one particular episode in particular in which we had everybody who is anybody in the Hollywood tune vibe um, around us. We were placing, playing musical microphones because we had an episode that was a two-parter and had lots of talent, including a lot of celebrities. Dick, yeah. I think Dick Clark was there and Ed McMahon and Carrie Elways. And, wow. uh, but, but it was, all, you know, Billy West, Frank Welker, yeah. Jim Cummings, the best of the best. Uh, and I remember looking at Tress and saying, boy, honey, take a picture of this. Unless you're on The Simpsons, it just don't get no better. Yeah. I mean, Steven Spielberg running the show, our glorious Andre Romano, nine-time Emmy winner, director of Animaniacs, Pink in the Brain, SpongeBob, um, uh, the, um, the Boondocks, Batman, the animated series. Yeah. I mean, all over and over and over again. And, and, and I was right. And she said, boy, you got that right. Okay, cut to 23 years later, the first episode of the new sh version that's dropped on Hulu that has become, I think it's pretty safe to say, an unqualified success. Oh, yeah, it's absolutely. It's really good. Mm -hmm. um, and the first episode, I sat next to Tress, as usual, and I took her hand as we were getting ready to start, and um, she's still like a sister to me. I talked to her all the time. And I said, sweetie, do you remember when we had that episode of Animaniacs? And I said, and she stopped me. She said, it doesn't get any better. And I said, yes, you remember that? Uh, she said, you bet I do. It does, doesn't it? And I did this. I just, I got a little, <laughs> a little sideways mm. because I thought, wow, that, she she gets exactly what I'm talking about. Dave, this is a very unique experience. 
Uh, mm. Reboot is not that unique. Yeah. But rebooting a show that arguably became iconic yeah. with the four main cast members, mm. with Steven Spielberg, who's now 70-something. Yeah. Um, and it was his call, Dave. Yeah, it's crazy. It's not about bringing Liam Neeson to be the brain and Russell Brand to be pinky. <laughs> it's about the authenticity of the yeah. characters. And I would submit that probably Russell Brand would have jumped at the opportunity. <laughs> but Mr. Spielberg knows it's not about that. It's yeah. about the authenticity of the characters. It's about what happens when I say nerf to everyone yeah. who loves this show. And now the fan base is exponentially larger mm. because of social media, uh, um, YouTube. And we have a, a circumstance in which you as a fan of the original show can watch Pinky and the Brain from 1997 today, your yeah. favorite episode in which Pinky says, uh, I think so, Brain, but me and Pippi Longstocking, what would the children look like? Boink. And then you laugh, yeah. and maybe you have an edible, and then you watch your <laughs> a new episode from the new bunch mm. with a 25-year gap yeah. like that. And and we deliver. Yeah. Um, that is what is unusual. This circumstance to have the same actors doing it again with Mr. Spielberg and people writing the show who grew up watching it yeah. and were inspired to become a writer and move to Hollywood just like me. Yeah. And now when they hear our word or their words coming out of Yakko's mouth and all that stuff, it is not unusual to look through the glass and see uh, 30-year-old, 35-year-old writers doing this. <laughs> oh, I get it. Yeah. Uh, it, it's remarkable. And um, so, yeah, I, I, it, it's a, it's lovelier the second time around. <laughs> Isn't that great? That, that's so great to hear because the new episodes really are so wonderful. And it really Thank is you. like no time has passed. It's the same humor, of course, the same, as you, as you mentioned, all the same actors and all that stuff. Sure. And it just feels just so, like such an organic thing. And because there Thank was you. such a, you know, that huge gap, you do feel like that there was, um, the, the, it was given the time, it was given the love to be something yes. special and not just like, oh, let's, ju let's just do it again sort of thing. One hundred percent. And I believe that it was Mr. Spielberg who uh, even, you know, even though the, the suggestion was dropped a um, few years ago, you know, we're on Stephen time. Yeah. I mean, he's the king of Hollywood. And I love that term. firstly, when people are kind enough, in this case, it was Sam Register, who is the president of Warner Brothers Animation, who says, hey, you guys, Stephen thinks he'd like to do this again. Are you in? Come on. Yeah. Steven Spielberg, Instant, yeah. the show that changed my <laughs> life, the show that still people lose their, you know what, when I mm. sing, Tunisia, Morocco, Uganda, Angola, Zimbabwe, Djibouti, Botswana, <laughs> they, they lose it yeah. in the most glorious way. Of course we're in. But Mr. Spielberg also is predisposed to making Oscar winning movies. Mm. So we have to find a little time window. And it's important for the fans to know that it was so important. To Mr. Spielberg to do this right in, a, in the way in which you absolutely nailed yeah. uh, so that he was available to go to every pitch himself. He went to Hulu, Netflix, Apple, and Amazon himself with his team yeah. uh, and made it clear that Rob Paulson, Maurice LaMarche, Tress McNeil, and Jess Harnell not only can do it at a higher level than before, they want to do it. And as far as I'm concerned, we don't do it mm. unless they're in. Yeah. So before you guys decide to write the check, uh, it's not about uh, celebrity stunt casting. And, and that is important to know because that shows you the extent to which Mr. Spielberg was and is yeah. invested yeah. Uh, in what, what has happened. Yeah. Well, that's such a, it's such a shock. Like when you, when you read into it or you, you hear you telling the story, it's just like, on a surface level, you could imagine someone just signed it off. Yeah, Steven Spielberg presents anime. Yeah. But, but to hear how involved he was and in producing it as such a labor of love, it just yes. makes the whole thing just just feel so so much special. Special. And again, um, 
the original show, the new show. It's just also you can feel the love there. Thank you. It's so wonderful. Thank um, you. Now you also uh, Animaniacs has impacted your life in a different way too. You take uh, you do the Animaniacs live show as well. Tell us a little yes. bit about that. And when uh, uh, obviously last year was a little yeah. bit difficult um, to kind of go on the road road touring and stuff. But are we going to get uh, more shows down the line? And just tell us a little bit. Yes, you are. And man, we are trying very hard to get back to Oz with Animaniacs in concert. Um, What that is, is my partner, Randy Rogel. Um, Let me back up a little bit. The word genius gets bandied around a lot these days because it's an easy thing to say. But I'm really good at my job. Yeah. I've won a bunch of awards. A lot of actors have. But I'm not a genius. Randy Rogel is a quantifiable genius. And I say that because this following story, I'll try to make it short, but it's important to me to, for me to explain why I believe that. Mm-hmm. Um, the first song I recorded for Animaniacs in 1992 was Yakko's World, All the Countries. Now, I read music, and the music was provided for me, and I learned it. And I went into the studio a week after I got the music and we recorded it. What I did not know until a few years ago uh, was that my friend Randy Rogel, um, who wrote that song, and he wrote, It's a great big universe and we're all really puny. We're just tiny little specks about the size of Mickey Rooney. He wrote all that. He wrote the states and the capitals. He wrote, I'm cute. I'm mad. On and on and on. Uh, but Randy before he got the gig on Animaniacs, was writing for Batman, the animated spirit, animated series, no small thing. Yeah, yeah. Um, and he won an Emmy yeah. for his work writing on, anima, anima, on Batman, the animated series. He heard about Animaniacs, knowing that it was going to be, if not musically driven, music was significant in every episode. And he said, oh my God, you know, knocked on the door across the hall. I got to write for this show. What are you talking about? You just won an Emmy for Batman, for drama. Mark Hamill's the Joker. Kevin yeah. Conroy's Batman. Do some more of that. Yeah, 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 yeah. I know. I know. But I do more of that. My background is music and, and, and musical comedy. I can write for this show. I write music and I write scripts. You just, I got one, an Emmy for writing a script. I can write comedy. Okay. Banged on the door, banged on the door. This is when he's already in. Finally, <laughs> finally. Tom Ruger, the creator of, of, yeah. of Animaniacs, said, all right, we'll pay you more to write drama, but what have you got? You guys, his audition piece was Yakko's World. He had that song in his back pocket, never played it for anybody, never sold it, never made a dime. He wrote it because he thought there's something here, and who knows, maybe I can use it someday. Yeah. Opportunity meets preparation and luck happens so that's how he got the gig and it was the first song i recorded for animaniacs cut two years later i started doing my own podcast and i said randy man we got something here people love animaniacs we got 20 songs plus the stories about how they were written and we got half a dozen songs that never made it to this show why don't we do a little concert thing so we started doing the piano and a couple of microphones and now we do it with orchestras or we can do it at a, a place with a microphone and a piano and we do the same thing. So whether it's a club with a couple of hundred, a couple of hundred people having a couple of pops and enjoying the music <laughs> and the stories, or it's 80 pieces and three or 4,000 people, yeah. we do it and it's really effective and really entertaining and singularly unique because the people doing it, uh, it's not a tribute band. Yeah. We were there. Mm-hmm. We wrote it. We yeah. did it. We executed it. And we're doing it now. There are going to are a bunch of episodes that are not going to be available for you guys to watch from the new version for a year, year and a half, two years. So we have a wonderful opportunity. We've done probably 35 of them around the country. And it works really well. So we are booked at the end of this year. Uh, COVID issues notwithstanding. And we've got, I think, 15 jobs, uh, gigs booked next year, starting in January. And man, 
the, the dream of both of us is to get with a Sydney orchestra oh. at the opera house oh, and to yes. do this with a bunch of crazy screaming fans between 10 and 70 years old, which is who shows up to every one of our yeah. Animaniacs and concert gigs. And mark my words, my friend, if it's doable, we'll find a way to do it. That's amazing. I'm in Melbourne myself, but if you can get Great, to the we'll opera, get down if there you, then. If you get to the opera house, I'll I'll be I'll fly up to Sydney and see in the opera Great. house. Well, that'd, that'd be incredible. Why not, you know, set up a tour of the oh, Australian coast? We'll absolutely. Do Melbourne, we'll yep. do Sydney, we'll do Perth. I don't care. We'll have a blast. It will be hugely successful. I can guarantee it. I can guarantee it. Um, Thank you. Now just before you had heard that the Animaniacs reboot was happening, you found yourself in the middle of a health crisis. Uh, you were diagnosed with throat cancer and you went through How the... Um, crazy. Like, you went through the horrendous um, recovery and uh, chemotherapy and all of that. It's uh, it's oral, uh, oral Cancer Awareness Month this April. It um, is, yes. Tell us a little bit about um, what you're doing to help raise awareness and um, sort of a little bit about your road to recovery and, and, and all of that. Well, again, uh, folks, this is why Dave is so good at what he does because um, you've had this lovely little thread of joy and happiness and all the extent to which these characters are important to all of us. Um, And then as uh, there's an old action that we make plans and God laughs, whoever he or she is. Um, so one day I uh, went to visit my doctor, having had a lump on the left side of my neck for a few months. And it turned out to be stage three metastatic squamous cell carcinoma of the throat at the base of my tongue. Uh, and um, to make a long story short, I was told at the very beginning, Mr. Paulson, we're virtually sure we can cure you. This is not remission, cure you. But before we do, we almost have to kill you. And I laughed out loud because that's how my brain works. Yeah. And my pinky. Um, <laughs> and so I was told right up front that it's curable. Are you going to be able to do your job at the same level? We don't know. But you're already 60 years old. And, you know, uh, uh, statistically, you still got a few years left. Uh, this is slow growing. But by slow, we mean that in two years, if you don't do anything, you'll be very uncomfortable in three and a half or four, you're going to be so, and it's not a really pretty way to go out for obvious reasons. Mm. Um, mouth, throat, they got to start hacking off. We've seen the, the wonderful uh, movie critic, Roger Ebert yeah. suffered from that. And by the yeah. time he left, it's pretty nasty. Mm. So obviously it didn't take me any time, but I'll just say I'm in. And um, as a result of, incredible good fortune of having world-class health care uh, and a pretty strong constitution, uh, a wonderful family. Um, I got through it. Five years ago at this time, I was in the middle of my radiation and chemo and it was starting to beat me up. And, um, and it did. But nothing happened to me that I was not told would happen. And that's precisely what I asked for. But my cancer experience, Dave, is not uh, left with a silver lining. Mm -hmm. It is absolutely a platinum lining, primarily because nice young men like you and young women and other people who give me this glorious opportunity to talk about it during, uh, you know, Oral Cancer Awareness Month, I am now the spokestune for the Head and Neck Cancer Alliance. So you folks can go to headandneck.org and you'll see yours truly. And I discuss my cancer experience. But more importantly, there's all sorts of important real-time information. Over 600,000 people worldwide will be diagnosed with a similar or, or you know, different version of a cancer that affects their mouth, their tongue, their tonsils, their voice box, um, just exactly like mine. But in most cases, if it's caught early enough, it's curable. Not something where you go, ah, but it sometimes requires surgery, sometimes not. But it is so important. Please, 
go look. And having getting screened is simple. Dentist, ear, nose, and throat doc. In my case, it was my traditional internist who put his hands on it and said, not good. In five seconds, mm. not good. I want you to see an ENT today. Today? Yeah, you got the time? Well, yeah, I reckon I do. Great. So because of that, because it can be diagnosed and sussed out pretty quickly, um, I'm here. And <laughs> the good news is I can do my job yeah. and no one is any the wiser. Yeah. But what is most important about this lovely exchange that you have been so kind to offer me today, Dave, is that a year from now, a couple of years from now, hell, 20, who knows? Maybe when I'm dust, somebody's going to be able to listen to this and watch this. And someone whom that person loves will have just been diagnosed. So they can say, hey, Uncle Bob, check this out. There's this guy, Ron Pullman. I don't remember his name, but you know how much we love watching Pinky and the Brain together? That guy had exactly the sort of throat cancer that you've been diagnosed with. But the point is that you're going to listen to this guy and we watch him on TV every day or every week post-treatment. That's what's important. You got this, Uncle Bob. You got to see what this guy has to say. Because the good news is that, yeah, it's pretty scary. But you can do this. This guy does it for a living. And he finished out his career and his life working. He died from something else, not throat cancer. And that's why this is important and why I really appreciate you giving the opportunity for me to talk about it. It's a wonderful way for it for us to end our Really nice chat. Absolutely, yes. Uh, if you, if anyone out there is watching and wants to learn more about that, you have got a enormous chunk of this book is dedicated to that and your, your battle and Thank stuff. You. I, th- I found it so inspirational um, and all of that. And the way you were so candidly open about talking about it all, I think is so wonderful too. Uh, briefly before we close out, it is also Autism Awareness Month. Um, yes. And I know this is something that um, is near and dear to you as well. You've worked with the Autism Foundation for many years. Can you just tell us about this too? I can. And I'm so glad you mentioned that. Uh, uh, Obviously, we are bombarded every month with, oh, by the way, it's National um, Bobby Sock Month or it's National (laughs) High Heeled Sneaker Month. Um, And I totally get that. However, these are important circumstances. Cancer, obviously, is always an issue. Mm -hmm. I'm now an expert on that with respect to my treatment, so I can talk about it. I'm also um, at least a, an, an anecdotal expert uh, with both the challenges and the gifts of folks on the autism spectrum yeah. have to share with us, and we can learn from it. Uh, it turns out, again, unbeknownst to me, until I started putting myself out there in the public, uh, it turns out that often folks on the on the um, Uh, autism spectrum are deeply affected by animated characters. Mm. They literally speak to them. Often we find people who are 25, 28, 30, who have been relatively nonverbal Dave until Darkwing Duck shows up or, or uh, the latest Pixar film. And often we find out from their parents and loved ones. And, and I've been told this in person dozens of times, um, Young Matthew here, Rob, uh, is 26. And they would start to get tearful and say, um, Matthew was nonverbal until a cousin exposed him to animaniacs. He watched other shows, but for whatever reason, Yakko really nailed it. Yakko really spoke to him and it was like a laser beam. And we brought Matthew here today, we drove four or five hours and we're sorry, but respectfully, I'm not sure if he knows who you are. I don't give a shit about that. What Matthew wants to hear is Yakko. Mm. And my wife and I want to video that experience. And I'm telling you what, my friend, it happens over and over and over again. So that when Yakko starts talking to Matthew, Matthew is like a laser beam, knows every damn word to Yakko's world and, and is now verbal and communicative mm. because of the fire that Yakko, not Ra, and it's not false modesty, yeah. that Yakko lit under Matthew. 
to start to speak. And his parents, can you imagine how yeah. what that means to people who love Matthew? They were able to, able to leverage that so that Matthew now is able to deal with the challenges of autism. But it turns out that he's very gifted in another way like many folks on the spectrum, but he's able to communicate that now. And, oh my God, how on earth can you quantify that relative compliment? This is not about money at all. The only money people have spent vis-a-vis Yakko and Animaniacs and this young man and his family is to buy a ticket and the gas to get into this particular event in which I happen to be appearing. That's it. It's about the joy and the uh, uh, empathy and passion that is lit in a young man's or young woman's life as a result of some wacky cartoon character. That's not a small thing. And it's not just me. It could be SpongeBob. It could be sports. It could be David Beckham. It could be Greg Norman, that there's a, a, an autistic golfer who says, well, the great, the great white shark really, really lit it up for me, mate. <laughs> That's all it takes. And so if that is something that I'm able to be involved with, I'm in, man. I'm totally in. So thank you for asking. There's Absolutely. so much to learn out there. Yeah. And if we're willing to, to listen, we can. Absolutely. I love it. I love it so much. Again, thank you so much for taking the time out of your very, very busy schedule to, to sit and chat with me for a little bit. Um, I do appreciate pleasure. it. Uh, and thanks to all, as you say, the crazy little critters that are just – banging around in your head for turning up and saying hello as well. Um, My pleasure. A huge congratulations on uh, Animaniacs getting picked up for the third season, by the way, which you're you're currently working on, I believe. Yes, we are. In fact, I'm going to do another episode right now, mate. That's fantastic. I'm fresh out of Vegemite. I'm going to buy myself a (laughs) cake. That's amazing. Well, I won't hold you up any further. You got to go and um, work for Mr. Spielberg and all of that. I won't. Thank I won't you. hold you up. So, um, I, once again, thank you so much for for this. It's been a really wonderful experience for myself, and um, you're just such a wonderful person. So, well, thank you so it's much. my great pleasure. So, why don't we leave the fans with uh, a little updated version of Yakko's World? Oh, absolutely. Um, I, you guys have heard the original one, but my genius friend Randy, and we prove it. He really is. Yep. Threw this out. I don't know, about a year ago and said, you know, the the countries have changed. Mm -hmm. So I'm going to leave you guys with this. Here's the updated version. Montenegro and Bosnia, Herzegovina, the Soviet Union is gone. South Africa, Georgia, Moldova, Latvia, Belarus, Azerbaijan, Uzbekistan, hey, Kazakhstan, hey, then the Tajikistan too, hey, hey, Turkmenistan, hey, Kurdistan, Armenia, Tonga, Palu, Lithuania, Serbia, Kosovo, U.S. Samoa, the Balkans, Brunei, Macau and Crimea, then Eritrea, Ukraine and Estonia, here's Macedonia, New Caledonia, Eastern Savonia, Ivory Coast and Cape Verde, Andorra, the Solomon Islands, Dubai, goodbye. See you later. Thank you so much. Oh, man. Amazing. Thank you. Take care, buddy. And there we go. Oh, what a whirlwind that was. Wasn't that just so wonderful? As I said at the top of this, he's such a wonderful, just incredibly humble, special person. Uh, He's got all these little characters floating around in his head, and it's so wonderful how they just pop out every now and then. You're talking to Rob one minute, then you're talking to Yakko Water the next minute. Then you're talking to Pinky the next. It's crazy. I had so much fun with this. Once again, I said it over and over, but thank you so much to Rob uh, for giving me his time today. He was off to work for Mr. Spielberg this afternoon, which is crazy. Here I am sitting in, in, in Melbourne, in Australia, talking to a guy sitting in his car under the Warner Water Tower off to work for Mr. Spielberg. That's just such a crazy... Like, how crazy is technology. The 21st century is insane. I can be sitting here talking to Rob Paulson before he's off to record new episodes of The Animaniacs. I just, my head's exploding. If I told myself when I was like five or six years old sitting there watching the original series, 
He wouldn't have believed it. He would not have believed it. Once again, thanks so much to Rob for his time here today. I hope you guys enjoyed this interview. I know I certainly did. Uh, That is all that we have time for for this podcast, of course. We will uh, return to the regular podcasts next week. Uh, The podcasts, of course, go out every single Monday on all podcasting platforms. That includes Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Amazon Music, and Audible. The visual element goes out on YouTube um, at the same time as well. But if you're a patron supporter, you can get it two days early. So if you'd like that early access, please head over to patreon.com forward slash Dave Lee Down Under. You can support me for as little as a dollar a month. Of course, video podcasts generally go up on a brand new channel as well, which is, we've migrated to a new channel, which is uh, uh, Dave Lee Down Under Podcast on YouTube. You can find the link to that down in the description as well. Uh, you can find me on YouTube at Dave Lee Down Under, over on Twitter and Instagram. There's links in the description of every single podcast, so you just click through and you're right there. If you want to write into the show, you can send an email to daveleepod at gmail.com. And if you're listening to the podcast on a podcasting platform, the audio thing, leave a review and a rating. It certainly does help. Um, look, so, so wonderful. This has been so fantastic. Again, I really hope you all enjoyed this. Uh, listening to this as much as I enjoyed talking to Rob, um, I really hope I get the chance to speak to him again because it's just so wonderful. Look, guys, thanks again for joining me, and I will see you next week. Take it easy.